Good morning once again. You know, this is, it's tough. It's tough to every single week dig into one of these sins. I've, and I've said this, I think, already multiple times. But it's a tough thing to do, uh, to expose yourself uh, before the Lord and, and to understand the sins uh, that we have dealt with so far. Um, but I think it's good. I think it's good for us to do this. I think it's good for us as individuals uh, to dig into them uh, personally as well. Pastor Dave told me last night, um, was, your, was your wife already uh, Southern or Central Illinois? Uh, so she was, she was gone, he was by himself, and, and his uh, fire alarm or his smoke detector, was the battery was running dead, and we all know what that means with the noise where it's gonna ding all the time, every few minutes, and so he got a little frustrated, and uh, or not frustrated, just he took care of it, and got up at two in the morning, 2.30 in the morning, and put it outside. And, uh, you know, <laughs> it, it, it reminded me of another story. A, a guy, they were sleeping, and it was three in the morning, it was pouring out rain, and, and they hear the doorbell ring, and, and and he goes to the door, he gets up and goes to the door and opens it up. And, and it's this drunk guy. And he's like, can I help you? It's three in the morning. He goes, yeah, can I get a, can I get a push? And he goes, no. And he slammed the door on the drunk guy. And he was so annoyed. And he went upstairs and, and his wife said, oh, honey, honey, who was it? And he goes, oh, some drunk guy needed a push. And she goes, oh, so you helped him, right? And he goes, no, I didn't help him. It's three in the morning. His wife goes, well, don't you remember three months ago when we had car issues and, and, and the two guys stopped and they, they helped us out? How quickly we forget. And so the guy goes, ah, fine. So he gets his clothes on and he goes outside and, and it's pouring on him and, and he's like, are you still there? Where are you? He can't, he can't see the car or anything. And he goes, yeah, I'm over here on the swing. <laughs> Let you think about that for a second. We have covered three particular sins. That was a freebie. We, we, we have covered three particular sins so far. We, we've, we've touched on pride. We've touched on pride, and, and we've learned that, that it Pride leads to every other vice. Every other vice. It's the complete anti-God state of mind. Then Kevin O'Brien came and he spoke on envy. And he talked about, he discussed the challenges and the consequences of, of that green-eyed monster. He talked about how, do you, how you combat that sin through starting with God and, and then having a mind of Christ. And last week, we grabbed our forks, pun intended. We grabbed our forks and we really dug in to the sin of gluttony. Understanding that that was a sin that, that affects us all in so many different areas. From eating to entertainment to expending resources. Gluttony happens the moment that you and I un, have unrestrained overconsumption. 
And this week, we hit another sin in the series. Just another sin in the series. We are in Labor Day weekend. Labor Day weekend. And, and so it makes sense uh, that we touch base on this particular sin. This is a sin that, again, is a sin that doesn't focus on anyone else but yourself. It's a sin that excuses God from some of your thought process. And again, focuses on yourself. It's a sin of being a sloth. Being a sloth. Sloth is the avoidance of physical or spiritual work. One person put it this way. He said, being lazy is about getting what you want, when you want it, delivered to you. The pocket Catholic catechism, never thought I'd be quoting that, but the pocket Catholic catechism says this, sloth is the desire for ease, even at the expense of doing the known will of God. Whatever we do in life requires effort. Everything we do is to be a means of salvation. The slothful person is unwilling to do what God wants because of the effort it takes to do it. Sloth becomes a sin when it slows down and even brings to a halt the energy we must expend in using the means of salvation. There are thousands, thousands and thousands of examples of being a sloth, of being lazy. I thought I'd bring you a few, few images uh, to help you understand uh, what I'm talking about. First one, laziness. You know, you don't even take the doorstop out of the package. Go to the next one. How many of you done this? Not maybe this deep, but uh, where you haven't cleared off your, your snow or your ice on your windshield. Next one. It's one way to do it. Next one. Here's another way. I think he's reading the newspaper. Next one. <laughs> Next one. I think it's time to defrost the freezer. So they just keep shoving things in. You know, if, if we'll hold it here for a second, Jacob. That TV is actually turned sideways. So it's correct for him. So that's, I could see. My brother doing that. Okay. Uh, next. This happens way too often. And then the last one. I think this is a... That's the epitome of uh, laziness right there. You know, I think of my buddy Grizz. His name was Joe Clark. We called him Grizz after the vacation movies. Grizz was a master at... at doing the least amount of work to accomplish the least amount of uh, uh, just to get by. Grizz would spend hours and hours figuring out in a 15-page essay that he had to do. Every semester, we always had all these papers at college to do. And he would figure out, I mean, he would literally spend hours and hours calculating how many pages of that 15-page final paper he needed to do in order to pull off that C- minus in the class. And I would always tell, every single semester, I'd tell Grizz, why don't you just write your paper? You would literally be done with writing your paper if you would have spent that same amount of energy that you did in figuring that out. I also think of the lottery. 
I think of the lottery, and I think of, uh, of how millions and millions of people play the lottery because they don't want to work. They, don't, they, they think that's going to be an easy way out. In 1974, the Illinois lottery was, was founded. And, and, and uh, the Illinois Lottery Commission just released their 2016, their July 2016 report of how many sales they had just in the month of July. 105 million tickets were sold in just the month of July in the state of Illinois. Today we're, we're going to read a portion of scripture that talks all about the epitome. It's the perfect picture of laziness, of being a sloth, and what it looks like. So if you're willing and capable, it's a very short verse. Would you join me in standing as I read Proverbs chapter 22, verse 13. Proverbs 22, verse 13. The sluggard says, there is a lion outside. I shall be killed in the streets. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I'm thankful. I'm thankful for this piece of scripture. I'm thankful for the reminders that you provide for us, and I'm thankful for your love. Lord, would you uh, speak to us this morning? Would you uh, change our hearts? We love you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. When we find ourselves succumbing to being a sloth, we sacrifice truth for desire. We sacrifice truth for desire. In fact, we, two different ways. N number one, we, make, we start making up excuses. We start making up excuses. And, and, and the Bible talks about laziness, about being a sluggard, about being a sloth. And it, dozens of times, and it takes it very, very serious. And I showed you earlier, we're inundated with imagery and excitement, and, and, and actually, uh, we are encouraged to be lazy. From large vacations where everything is, is taken care of and brought to you, uh, to uh, water parks that have rivers that are called lazy. We make up a lot of excuses. Luke 14, verses 15 through 20, here's what it says. When one of those who reclined at the table with him heard these things, he said to him, Blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. But he said to them, Jesus said, A man once gave a great banquet and invited many. And at, that, at the time for the banquet, he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a field and I must go out and see it. Please have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen and I go to examine them. Please have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife and therefore I cannot come. You see, we make excuses all the time of why we don't serve our Lord Jesus Christ. We make excuses why we don't go to church or small group or or, or why we don't read the Bible, or we, we were too busy, we, we, we had, had to mow the lawn, we had to take care of business, or 
Uh, we had to go get some groceries, homework. We make excuses for why we can't get our homework done. The dog ate it. That's the classic. I don't know what you do when you're at homeschool. That's a tricky one. Reggie the other day was doing his homework in the back seat, and, and the window was opened. And the papers almost flew out the window. And I mean, I thought to myself, and I think I said it out loud to him, that would have been a great story for the teacher. Hey, my papers flew out the window. I couldn't finish them. We make up excuses for being late or missing a deadline. We had car trouble. We were stuck in traffic. My kid got sick. I had a last minute doctor appointment. Uh, I had an appendicitis. We, we make up all kinds of things. That was a true story. Uh, the fact is that most of our excuses, probably, when, when we're trying to be lazy about something, most of our excuses are probably lies, most of the time. Where we actually, we make up lies to complete the story uh, it, when we are becoming a sloth. Why we were lazy and why we didn't get it done. Look at today's scripture. Look at today's scripture. It, it, it was one piece of scripture, very small. It said, the sluggard says, there is a lion outside. I shall be killed in the streets. Isn't that interesting that he says that? The sluggard? You would think he would be saying uh, something else as opposed to the sluggard. Why would the sluggard say that? Well, Solomon wasn't actually saying that there was a lion outside. There, there wasn't an animal out there that, that was going to devour him. No, Solomon was talking about, he, he was saying, um, I'm going to make up an excuse of why I don't want to leave here. I, I'm going to make up a story that, that there's this crazy animal outside. And I, I just don't want to do it. I don't, I don't want to put forth the effort. I don't care what anyone says. There's a lion outside and he's going to eat me. I know a guy who, who continuously told his employment that his back hurt. Because he didn't want to work. He wanted to be at home. And then when the doctor officially released him, he begged, he begged for the doctor to do a new MRI because he didn't want to go back to work. His lion was a fake injury. Another person that I know had excuses that he had to take care of his elderly parents. And so he couldn't go to work when instead he was home watching TV all day and eating food and sitting around. Proverbs 13.4 says, the soul of the sluggard craves and gets nothing, but the soul of the diligent is made fat. And I think that's what happens when we make excuses and lie about why we're a sluggard. You see, deep down inside, we want to accomplish things. We want to do great things. We all want to do great things, but a sluggard won't, won't accomplish anything. Nothing will get done. I wonder how many ideas are actually left undone that, that were brilliant ideas that someone came up with, but they didn't want to put forth the effort uh, to move forward with. It was interesting. There, there was this businessman and, and blogger, Fred Gratson, and he talked about the usefulness of laziness. 
He actually said that, that one can be lazy and accomplish nothing. However, one can also apply his or her God-given laziness to accomplish a great deal. His point was is, is all kinds of things in history, all the different pieces of technology and all the different uh, appliances, they all came from people who were lazy-minded, meaning they saw a situation and they say, how can I fix it? How can I make it better? And, and, and the odd thing is, is mo the people who actually invented them and did them, they had to work hard in order to create those. There was a young man who, who was watching a stick or something go up and down in this, in this uh, turbine, and, and his job was as soon as it went up, he had to push it back down, and, and he'd wait for, for 40, 50 minutes, and then it would do it again. It would come by the time it came back up, and, and, and he, he got paid to do that, but he didn't want to sit around. He was so bored, and so he figured out, he rigged a system figured out how to, how to get it so it weighed heavy enough and it just dropped on its own. And, and the owner came and he saw it and, and, and looked at it like, where's the kid? But yet the machine kept running. And he, so the kid was getting paid to do nothing, but he came up with the idea. And that's how they did a steam engine or something. It was a fascinating story. It all came from, he was just bored. He didn't want to work and he came up with the idea. But the difference we're talking about is lazy-minded people. We're talking about people who are lazy but actually put forth effort and work and, and, and look to God and say, how do, how do I create something better? How do I make things more efficient? But there's the opposite, which is the sinful sluggard behavior. You see, when, when we are truly lazy, when we're truly a sloth, we begin to see destruction in our lives. We see destruction in our lives, and, and, and laziness has many potential uh, causes. It, it could affect many different areas of your life. By, by being lazy and by being a sloth, you could potentially have financial issues. Financial issues. You know, a sloth will, will, will grab the mail or have their kids grab the mail, and then they'll keep piling them up, all the mail, and they'll all sit there in a large pile, never even being opened. And then all of a sudden, you get a phone call, and it's Commonwealth Edison, and they're, and they're saying that your electricity is being shut off. And, and you're like, why? What in the world? You didn't even communicate with me. And it's all sitting in the pile of mail, the three or four notices. You see someone who's, who's not wanting to put forth any effort, they will only react if it's an emergency situation, when the air conditioning gets turned off. Then they'll go into action. The sloth also may not work. They may not want to work. How many people do you know in your life that, that just stay at home. They, they don't want to work. They, they want to sit at home. And, and there's, a, there's a time of, of unemployment. There's a time of that situation. But there are so many people that I have seen in my personal life that don't have a job, that don't do anything about it. They just watch TV. They, they won't go out. They won't make phone call. 
after phone call. They won't do application after application. They won't call a friend to network with them and try to figure it out. They won't spend time uh, driving out to places and shaking hands and meeting people. A sloth will just say, no, I won't worry about it. It's a, it's a lost cause. And that just creates a financial stress on everybody. Proverbs 6, 9 through 11 says, How long will you lie there, O sluggard? When will you get up from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. Your poverty will come in like a vagabond, in your need like an armed man. Laziness also potentially causes flunking in school. Flunking in school, and, and this goes for the kids and adults alike. I've told many stories in my day from the pulpit, but this particular story, I don't even think I told my wife Sherry. So this is a new one for her. See, Sherry and I were recently engaged back in 1996, and I was attending Northern Illinois University. And I was in one of the top three toughest classes in the physical education program. There was exercise physiology, kinesiology, and then this third one, functional human anatomy. And in functional human anatomy, we dug through cadavers and, and we worked hard and long. It was a four credit class and it was a tough class. But you know what? I was recently engaged. So I was happy-go-lucky, having fun. I was coaching soccer and basketball. I was working at the Amico, which is now the BP. Uh, I, uh, we had a youth group uh, at my house in Newark. We were having a great time. And you know what? I didn't have time for homework or studying. But, you know, whatever. Well, I got to that last class in December of functional human anatomy, and I knew that I was doing poor. I was doing poor, and, and, and as I sat down for that final, I wish I remember the professor's name, I thought to myself, I mean, I have to get a high B or a low A minimum to get a D minus in this class. It was that bad. And then I looked at the test. I had no idea. I mean, I hadn't prepared. I was lazy. I hadn't done anything. And so you know what I did? To the shame of a village Bible church as your pastor, I wrote a note to that professor, and I gave him every excuse I could. And I told him about how I was getting married and how I was working with kids, and, and I said, if you could find it in your heart, can you get me a D minus? And I tucked that underneath his door. You know, the professor didn't even know who I was let alone accept my request for a D minus. And I'm so thankful for that. I'm so thankful that, that I learned that lesson of that laziness that I still didn't get the benefit of being lazy. I let it go the spring of 20, or, uh, 1997. I got married to Sherry in May, and then I went in that summer of 1990, or, yeah, 1997, and I took functional human anatomy again. Do you know that God restored my thoughts and my, and, and my energies and, and my attitude? And I, get this, I'm trying not to brag, 
but I became the star student in that class. I got the second highest grade in the entire class. The professor knew me by Phil Chapman, and I was helping other students learn about it. But I learned a huge lesson about laziness. Not, not that that changed me forever in the sense of uh, I'm never lazy, but you know what? It really affected me. I think about that often, that moment. I tried to get out of it, and I'm so glad uh, that he didn't. Laziness potentially causes financial issues. It potentially causes you to flunk in school and also failing in our bodies. Sometimes laziness helps us fail in our bodies, and you're probably thinking that I'm talking about obesity and the slugger just sitting around eating, eating bonbons and, and watching TV, doing nothing, being a glutton like we were talking about last week. Because a, a lazy person probably won't exercise necessarily or do the bare minimum. Yes, being a sloth can often lead to life of laying around, of going to the gas station instead of the grocery store for, for your food. However, I'm talking way more than just your waistline. I'm talking about your heart and your knee and your ankle and your back. Really, laziness and, and, and being a sloth can have all kinds of effect on your body. You see, when you're lazy, you truly won't go to the doctor. You, you don't want to spend the time and the energy to, to get an appointment and, and then to follow through with it and go to the doctor and figure out what's going on and what's wrong. I knew a guy that had this horrible ankle issue. He had this horrible ankle issue, and he would not go to the doctor about it. And, and, and he barely could walk on his ankle. Finally, after much prodding from whoever, he finally went after months and months. And the doctor looked at it and did an x-ray, and, and, and it was just a, a real bad sprain that he kept spraining over and over and over. And so he just needed a $15 ankle brace from Walgreens, and within a month, his ankle was fine. That, that, that's called the kitchen sink issue. There was a lady with a kitchen sink, and, and, and it started plugging up, and she used Drano and tried to, tried to clean it all, and it, she couldn't get it, and it just kept plugging up, and she didn't want to take the time to call the plumber, so she just started washing the dishes in the bathtub. Eventually, Months went by, and she kept cleaning the dishes in the, in the bathtub, and she had a party at her house, and, and someone saw some dishes in the bathtub and asked about it, and, and she goes, ah, it's my sink, it's all messed up, and, and he goes, can I take a look at it? Within 10 seconds, he had the sink fixed. It's just a thing underneath, just needed to be twisted slightly. You see, we don't want to take the effort to, to move forward and to deal with something. Instead, we'll, we'll find other ways to do it where we think we're actually saving time and we're costing more energy. And that's what a sloth does a lot of times is, is they aren't thinking clearly. They're thinking, how can I just get around from dealing with it? And that's what we do in procrastination. If we just expend a little bit of energy, usually we can solve the issue. If we expend a little bit of energy, we can learn uh, how to deal with it. And it goes with our spiritual life as well. If we just put forth a little more effort to read his word and, and to pray, pray to God, 
He could do mighty things. He could use us for mighty uh, activities. Moving on, laziness also potentially causes fiascos. I like that word, fiascos in our families. Fiascos in our families. 2 Thessalonians 3.10 says, For even when we were with you, we used to give you this order, if anyone is not willing to work, then he is not to eat either. Proverbs 24 says, The sluggard does not plow after the autumn, so he begs during the harvest and has nothing. You see, when someone is a sloth, a, a true sloth, they'll nearly be forced to beg from their families for food and shelter and any other basic needs, and we see this all the time. You know what, maybe, maybe some of you might be dealing with it in some, some fashion. Maybe you have a kiddo living with you, or you know you have a relative who's trying to connect with you, and they're 28 years old, and, and they won't leave the house. They won't work, but they expect to eat. They expect to use your internet and enjoy the comforts of, of central air. I've personally watched some individuals and some couples do this, and I, I knew the situation uh, that part of it was due to the coddling of the parents. It's a tough situation to deal with. I, I haven't had to deal with it. My kids aren't old enough yet. Lord willing, uh, they're going to be getting out and working hard. And, but there are times where we need to stay with our parents when we're older. There's times where we need to uh, get help from our in-laws. There are those times. There's no, no question about that. There are also times where mom and dad need, need to give the 30-day notice. Scripture is pretty clear that a sluggard is not a good situation. Again, Scripture takes being a sloth, being lazy, as a very serious thing. Finally, laziness potentially causes a falling away from God. Falling away from God. You know, this, this message has been practical for me. I've thought of a lot of practical things of, of how to improve my own life and, and how to uh, look to God by expending my energy towards Him. And, and when we are lazy, whether, whether we're learning about the financial issues of laziness or failing bodies or flunking in school, those are great things. But to realize that being lazy could help you or could cause you to fall away from God, I think that has to be the most alarming. It was for me. You know, I, I said it last week, I believe. Why? Why am I wasting so much time on, on things that don't matter, on, 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 on myself? Why, why am I not expending the energy towards God more. Not, not as a way to, to get that check marks and, wow, look how much I'm doing, or look how much you're doing. Not for that reason, but for the reason to give glory to God and to truly praise Him and to get closer with Him, to devote our lives to the King of Kings. Laziness creates an apathy for life and an apathy for Jesus. You know, I've had the privilege to, to be helping Sherry with, with her business, and, and whether it's 
working on a newsletter or working on a project or making a flyer. And here's the way I like to help her. I like to sit on the couch, watch TV, enjoy a snack, maybe have something playing on my computer while I'm doing and helping her project. Sherry gets annoyed with that, and rightfully so, because she knows it takes me twice as long to do that as opposed to me sitting at the dining room table or at a desk, and I could rock it out in no time at all. And that goes the same exact for God. We try to interject God into our busy lives all the time. I, I, oh, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll pray, pray while I'm driving, and, and, and oh, well, what's it, what'd they say on the radio? And I mean, I do that all the time. Oh, yeah, 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 I'll, I'll, let, let me read the Bible, and I'll, I'll listen to the Bible uh, on my way to work. Whatever it is, take time for God. Put, put energy towards him. We should, we should sit down quietly, quietly and, and, and listen for God, reading his word and, and just begging to learn more from him. We need our full energy before the Almighty God, praising Him for the unbelievable things that He has done. So I encourage you, instead of being a sloth like me, instead of, instead of looking at laziness, we need to live productive lives. And I know many of you do. We need to be doing this through diligent efforts by pursuing God and, and we need to trust that that God is sovereign and that's how that's how we will have productive lives when that that becomes our focus first Corinthians fifteen fifty eight says therefore my beloved brothers be steadfast immovable always abounding in the work of the Lord knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain you see, laziness, in the end, laziness, it wants to rob us of the bl wonderful blessing of work. It really does. It wants to rob us of that blessing. When God created Adam, he told him to work. He told him to work. It wasn't because of the curse. He got to work. It was a privilege. He got to work in the garden. You see, our creator, he calls us to work. We don't work so that we can rest. We rest so that we can work. Work is a great thing. When God created the world, what did he do on the seventh day? He rested. But he, he wasn't resting because he was tired. God isn't tired. God, God has unlimited amounts of energy. Unlimited amounts of efforts. What he did is he stopped after six days and looked, and he's like, look at what I've done. This is beautiful. He kept saying that over and over. He looked at it and he said, this is good. You know, when I mow the lawn and, and if I mow and weed and, and trim and, and clean up everything in the yard, 
And if, and if you've done that before, you, you, you'll sit back in your chair and you're like, ah, this looks pretty good. If I get done with a, a project or, or write a paper, and, and if I was Grizz and I, I wrote all 15 pages, you could sit back and like, this is pretty good. When I got done with functional human anatomy the second time, I said, that was pretty good. A job well done. When you bring home that paycheck at the end of the week for working so hard, that's a good feeling. Right, Allie? That's a good feeling. So I've got several questions just to ponder. Several questions just to ponder. Are you abounding in good works in your job? Are you responsible? Are you known in the workplace or in the school as one who gets the job done, reflecting the attributes of God by being faithful to your commitments? How about your life as a human being, as a parent, as a spouse? Would your neighbor say, yeah, he's a responsible neighbor. He takes care of all that he needs to. He's a faithful community member. When he says he'll do it, he fulfills it. Is your life a walk of laziness or of steadfast laboring? How about your worship? Are you lazy in your devotions with the Lord? Are you lazy in your prayer life, your evangelism, your attendance to church, maybe even listening to the sermon? Maybe you've already checked out. How about your giving? These are all things where we become lazy. And I'm just glad, and aren't you, that Jesus Christ wasn't lazy. I'm glad that Jesus Christ kept moving forward. He kept, kept getting up each day to take care of, of that day's tasks. I, I'm thankful that even though that Jesus didn't necessarily want to, that he allowed Pontius Pilate to take him. And I'm thankful. I'm thankful that Jesus went to the cross, that he went to the cross, and he shouted out to every person, it is finished. It is finished. Jesus says, he's gone before you, he's gone before me, and he's finished it. He's paid the price, he's passed the test, he's completed the deal, and he's dealt with all of our failing bodies. He's already done it all. So I encourage you, today, turn your life over to him. Would you give him your energy and your, and your strength? I, I know before I, I walked up here, I was sitting back there, and I just... Man, I was so convicted by the Holy Spirit that, Phil, you've got to keep focusing on serving me. Keep focused on, on honoring me in all that you do. I mean, it was plain as day as I was sitting back there, the conviction. See, Jesus loves you exactly where you are. No matter what situation's going on in your life, and I know we all have tough situations, Jesus loves you perfectly right where you're at. And he will work with you. He wants you. He wants to, to love you today.
You know, the sluggard. The sluggard may say, you know what? There's a lion outside. There's a lion outside. But you know what I tell you? That there's a lion of Judah who's waiting to forgive you, waiting to welcome you with open arms. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, we beg that you can continue to teach us from your word and from... And Lord, through the Holy Spirit, that you will continue to change us and cause us uh, to look to you, cause us to look to you more and, and, and to reflect upon your love and your forgiveness. And we are eternally thankful for your sacrifice and for your resurrection. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, let's stand and sing together.